We're going to dive in. We're in this series, as we said a moment ago, My House, My House, uh, uh, Volume 2. We, we've been focusing. God's led us to charge for the family. And if you're single, uh, remember My House because every house looks different, okay? And so this is a family, uh, and we're talking a lot about the nuclear family, but this is a family and relationships. And so, uh, you know, in doing that, I, I heard about a woman this week who who, uh, man, she called her husband on the way home very excited. She said, honey, you ain't going to believe it, but I've won the lottery. Pack your bags. And she said, he said, oh, great. Where are we, should I pack for cold weather or warm weather? She said, just pack them all because you're leaving, okay? Now, here's the thing. That, that, that's a joke and, and uh, uh, you know, but reality is that happens a lot. Not people winning the lottery and bust up, but people, you know, you're leaving. I'm leaving, right? And here's, that's one of the things that we want to help through this. And one of the reasons, many reasons, one of the reasons is because we don't understand the differences in men and women, how those differences create different needs within men and women. And so we're going to talk today about the differences between men and women today and next week. And we're going to talk about how the differences create these different needs, right? And uh, so that you can better understand how to meet those needs. And overall, the overall thing for this is we want to help all these aspects, not just so you can be happy. We want your family to be, you know, uh, on track, but not just so you can be happy, but ultimately so your family is living sent for the glory of God. People can look at your family and say, I know you're not perfect, right? That, that's, that's ridiculous. I know you're not perfect, but I want what you got. We want your family to be a reflection of the God's kingdom and to be a draw, like a magnet that pulls people toward the glory of God. Well, one of the ways we can do that is understand that our wives and our, that your husband is different. Uh, he's created different. That means he's got different needs, and how do we meet those needs, all right? Now, some of you singles, as I said, you're saying, man, this is a lot about the nuclear family. And here's what I want you to understand. You, these are principles that you can learn, that we've talked about all this series, that you can learn for current relationships as well as your future marriage and family if that's in your future, if that's in God's plan for your future. And so, so uh, this is for everybody. Now, obviously, radic men and women are radically different, right? I mean, they're radically, let me give you a couple of, for instances, I mean, examples. Typically, but not always, you're not going to go into a movie theater and look down the row and see men crying in a movie theater, right? I mean, you just don't typically, sometimes you do, but not typically. You know, men's not going to sit in a movie theater and just like cry. Typically, your, your wife's not going to look at you and go, hey, babe, let's go see the lady. Let's go see this shoot them up, all right? I mean, I just love this shoot them up. Let's go. Some do, but typically that doesn't happen, right? I mean, our, we're, we're just different. We're wired differently. We like different things, and that's okay. Our conversations are differently. I mean, we, we, we say things to, uh, men will say things to men that women would never say to women, right? Because we're different. I mean, for instance, this week, I come out of my office, and uh, there was, you know, two or three staff members gathered up talking outside my office, and and, you know, we, we coffee break or whatever, taking a break, and, and we out there. And Nathaniel Hale, our, our administrator, if y'all know Nathaniel, he's got on one of our newest LifePoint sweatshirts down in the cafe. You know, LifePoint sweatshirts, great, beautiful, I love them. But Nathaniel's got one on, and when I come out and somebody's down there and somebody looks at Nathaniel in his LifePoint sweatshirt and says, man, that's an awesome sweatshirt, but hey, dude, you need to size that thing up a little bit, right? I mean, you look like you're poured in that thing unless you're going for the crop top look. I mean, you know, showing your midriff. And I, I mean, you know, I'm sitting there and we're laughing about it. And that's what dude's doing. And Nathaniel's coming back and we're laughing. Uh, don't feel sorry for him because he dishes it out too, okay? So uh, my point with that is you'd never hear women say that to each other, would you? I mean, man, that's murder. If that happens, I, I'd almost like to see it because I just want to sit back and watch, you know. I, I mean, that's a show right there. Men and women are different. Right? We, we're, and and that, that ain't a bad thing. We're different physically, emotionally, relationally. And dudes, that's not bad. How many of you dudes are so glad your wife's different physically than you? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord, right? I mean, we're, we're different. And these differences create different needs. And sometimes we neglect to understand that. Right? And that creates tension. And as a result, then our family doesn't necessarily, uh, is, a, is not necessarily a magnet for the glory of God. It, it, it's like a train wreck sometimes, right? And so, so as we look at these differences today, we're going to look at uh, the, 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 how God made men and the needs of a man, right, typically. Now, these can be jumbled out of order depending on men are different. So, uh, and there might be other needs that your husband has. This is why it's important that you communicate and talk, 
right? But, but uh, today we're going to talk about the needs of men and how uh, you ladies, your role in meeting those needs. So our, our, our bottom line today is his needs, her role, right? Next week, we're going to reverse it. We're going to talk about the needs of women and the man's role, the husband's role in meeting those needs. And so it's going to be her needs, his role, all right? And so today, what you need to understand, ladies, is, I mean, really, I mean, it ain't rocket science. We, we men are not really complicated. We're, we're really not. Next week, it's going to be rocket science. But today, it's not rocket science, right? And so, uh, uh, matter of fact, let me read Genesis 2.18. In Genesis uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 18, here's what it says. It says, uh, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man uh, be alone, should be alone. Now, God created everything. And if you read the creation narrative in Genesis, here's what it says. God created everything, and really he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Here you read in Genesis 2, God said, it's not good that man's alone. It's the only thing that's not good. Now, I don't want you to sit back and think, oh, okay, then God realized he did something here that he needed to correct. Not at all. That's not what God's communicating. This is not God all of a sudden said, oh, I need to correct this. No, God put this language in here to emphasize for us the importance of marriage, the importance of community, and the importance of not doing this thing alone. This is not about, okay, God had to correct something here. This is about God emphasizing our uh, need for for community, and this is specifically talking about marriage. So he says, it's not good that man should be alone. And so look at what it says. So I will make a helper fit for him. A helper fit for him. Now, this uh, create generates a little bit of controversy because, you know, in our world that doesn't know Christ, and even, you know, some Christians that don't really, you know, understand uh, the, the Bible, what's the word helper? No, that means is a woman subservient, and I mean, she's just a helper, right? And I mean, that's, you know, that's what, you know, an apprentice is, right? I mean, somebody's a helper. And so the world fills that out, and we'll talk about it in a moment. And so there's some confusion. So let me make sure you understand something. God did not create Eve because Adam needed another pair of hands to take care of everything that God had created. Uh, he created Eve to be, uh, to, to be one who fills in the gaps that Adam had to balance him out. He didn't create Eve. Uh, Adam didn't need another carbon copy. He didn't need another man, right? He didn't need someone just like him. He needed someone to fill in the gaps, right? And it's sort of like, uh, you know, talking, going back to shoot 'em ups right? And, 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 you know, just action movies. I mean, there's just, there's just some movies that you know, men just watch over and over. It's like, you know, the Bourne movies, man. I mean, if you're, if you're a dude, you like the Bourne movies, right? Most of you dudes, uh, not everybody, but most of you dudes do. And, and Rocky, I mean, man, who doesn't like Rocky, right? I mean, you go back to all of them and, and Rocky Balboa, man, he is just a great philosopher. That dude is sharp. Matter of fact, in the first one, if you'll remember the very first Rocky movie, he's talking about Adrian, you know, yo, Adrian, he's talking about Adrian. And he says, he says something that's just profound and sharp. He says, you know, he's talking about Adrian. He said, she's got gaps. I got gaps. Together, we got no gaps. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? It's Bible. Did you know that? Rocky is, is I mean, basically, he's, he's talking about how God created men and women. And, and that's what it means when it says he created a helper, you know, uh, he, he wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, saying that Eve was subordinate to Adam. Uh, it wasn't that she was his maid or she was his servant and God created Eve to do all the things Adam didn't want to do. No, he created Eve to do what Adam couldn't do, right? I mean, he created Eve to fill in the gaps and to bring these balances. So helper doesn't mean subservient, maid. Helper means compliment. Adam compliments Eve. Eve compliments Adam. We compliment each other. We need each other. And that's what the scripture is teaching here. So our differences are good. They're really good. We're thankful for differences, uh, but they create different needs. 
And if we're not aware of these needs, we won't meet them, and, 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 and it creates tension. And so, uh, you know, next week, as I said, we're going we're gonna to deal with the women, but today uh, we're going to deal with these needs of men. And, 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 and this, I'm, I'm going to talk about, there's basically uh, two books that if you read one is His Needs, Her Needs by, by, by Dr. Harvey, and then another is, uh, you know, The Five Love Needs of Men and Women by Dr. Gary Rosenberg. Now, here's, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to talk about all five. We could talk about 15. Men, men have needs. Women have needs. I just want to zone in on about four needs really quick. I'm not preaching a message on each of these needs, so understand that. A lot could be said about all of them, but I want you to understand this is all for research. It's not just me and a group of dudes sitting around on Thursday night going, hey man, huh, what can we come up with needs to make sure our women know, right? This is research, okay, that's concluded uh, these needs and the Bible confirms these needs, okay? And so the first need is respect, right? A man needs respect. And when, when, we, when we look at a man, uh, we're going to see in Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is a go-to passage uh, about men and women and the Bible, husbands and wives and all this. And let's look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, and then 31 through 33. Listen at what it says, and listen at the different nuances it has for husbands and the challenge for husband and for wives. In, in 21 through, 22 through 24, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your own husbands. Now, I'd struggle with that word submit, another controversial word. Shouldn't be controversial at all. It's not controversial because, you know, uh, of uh, the, what God means is not controversial. Women love what God means if they understand it. What's controversial is the world who doesn't know Christ and even people who do that, you know, think way differently and wrongly, I should add, about what this word is. So women, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Same passage, same context, a little lower. Let's skip a few verses and go down to 31, right? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This goes back to the Genesis narrative that we, we read a moment ago, the creation narrative uh, Moses wrote about husbands and wives leaving and cleaving and all that kind of stuff. Look what it says. The mystery is profound, but I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. God created marriage this is why we want your family uh, to pursue God, because it's not just about being happy. It's about being a reflection of the glory of God and the kingdom of God. It's about Christ and the church. It's about Christ and the church. It's much deeper than two people coming together to make each other happy. It's much deeper than that. Your marriage is much deeper than just, man, you making each other happy and y'all making it to the end. It's about my family and my house being a reflection of the glory of God. So people can look at you and go, I want what you got. What is it? Right? And so, so uh, it says that it's profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she also respects her husband. Now, great passage. And I want you to notice uh, uh, what God says to the husbands. Here's what God challenges husbands to do. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I could preach a message on that. I could preach a series on that. We can unpack that. What does it mean for a husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church? Man, it's sacrificial. It's selfless. There's so much in there, right? We're going to talk more about that next week, what husbands should do. Love your wives. Women, it says, wives, submit, respect your husband. Submit to 21, 22 through 24. Respect your husband, okay? Now, here's, we're going to unpack a little bit of this. It's not a message on all that means, so I can't unpack all of it, but I hope when we get to the end, you know, okay, this is not, that's not a bad deal. I love it. Because notice, ladies, the scripture rarely tells ladies to love their husbands. It rarely tells ladies to love their husbands. Is that because we don't need to be loved? Not at all. We need to be loved, okay? But there's something, there's something that we need at the core and God, that's why God puts it in you. There's something we need at the core that's even deeper. And it's not that we don't need to be loved. It's that we need more to be respected and admired. And if we're respected and admired, we'll know that we're loved. We need to be respected as men. 
Just as every woman longs for her husband to say, I love you, you look beautiful, uh, all those things every man needs to hear his wife say, I believe in you. I will follow you. Every man longs for the applause of his wife. You guys, you, I mean, ladies, you need to understand the power of your words and the power of, of, of your, how you respect him. I mean, do you remember the, the fairy tale? Famous fairy tale, Snow White. Remember the, the, uh, uh, the wicked stepmom? She looks into the, peers into the looking glass and she says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? She sort of looks in here to find out some things about herself, right? Well, here's what I want you to understand. A, a, a woman or a man, if, if you're uh, in marriage or not in marriage, if you're single, um, if you're a single lady, a man will never, ever, ever feel the holes and the gaps that you need. He will, if you're looking for your worth and your identity in a man, or if you're a man in a woman, you will come up uh, on the losing end of that every time because your worth and identity can only be discovered in Jesus Christ, okay? You need to understand no man can do that for you and no woman can do that for you, Okay? You need to understand Jesus Christ is where your worth and identity, it should be based in Jesus and it should come from there or it's going to be lacking if it's not. And I want to say that and get that clear. In saying that, a husband and a wife, how they speak to and what they say to each other has an incredible impact on their fulfillment and satisfaction in life, okay? So the husband has two mirrors, whereas the wicked stepmom looked in the mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of all, a man has two mirrors that he looks into, really, when he finds his fulfillment and satisfaction. One is his work, the other is his wife, all right? And let me make sure you understand something. His wife is so much more important than his work in this area. His wife and, and, and his fulfillment, his satisfaction in life, and, and whether he's feeling like, yes, man, this is going to, 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 you know, to be in large part uh, uh, come from his wife. And so when we look at this, here's what I want you to understand. Submission in our world because of, of uh, uh, basically erroneous uh, thoughts and interpretations and, and, and everything about this, it has a negative tone to it. But in the Bible... There's, I mean, if you understood what God meant, every lady would long for, for, for what the Bible teaches on this. Every man longs for this. It's not that you, uh, submission doesn't mean you're his maid. It doesn't mean you're a servant. It doesn't mean you're subservient at all. Men and women, God created in total equality. There is no difference in value. Uh, one is not more important than the other. It, it's not about, you know, where we rank. It's about roles that he's given us. And when he talks about submission, he says, submit to your husband as to the Lord, right? And he's talking about the, the, the marriage being like Christ in the church and how people can look at your relationship and go, I want that. What is it? It's a reflection of Christ. And it's a, it's a reflection of, it's, it's not perfect. No human being's perfect in our walk with the Lord. But it's a reflection of our relationship with Christ. And when he talks about a wife submitting, it's, he talks about respect in the same thing. It's a respecting his leadership, the role that God has given him. And it's respecting him, right? It's, it's, it's respecting the leadership role that God has given him and then respecting that. And it's, it's a huge respect thing. And it doesn't mean that you're his maid. It means you're his cheerleader, ladies. You're his cheerleader. It means that, uh, that not that you're low, but that you raise him high. Now, how, how do you do this? How do you do that? Because as I said, I, I'm not going to preach a whole message on submission. I, I, I'm just trying to give a, a little thing here to say it's not anything like what you've been told it is by, by you know, uh, uh, crazy 10 o'clock, whatever, 9 o'clock talk shows and all that kind of stuff in the morning. And it, it, it's not at, at all that. It's about respect. It's about honor. And that's what, that's what husbands need. And let me give you a couple of ways to do that. How do you respect your husband? Just very practically. Okay? Very practically, let me, let me give you some, let me, this is going to be very practical here. Let me give you some ways that, di, that, that disrespect your husband or ways that, that, that you, ways that you need to respect your husband. It shows him you respect him. First off, never criticize your husband in front of anyone, especially the kids. Never, ever, ever do that, ladies. 
I mean, especially the kids. In large part, your husband's self-esteem will come from his children's uh, perception of him and his children's opinion of him. And Don't ever, ever criticize your husband in front of your kids. Never criticize him publicly. Uh, you know, some, some, some wives, to be quite honest with you, nag and criticize and, uh, their husband and complain and, and then wonder why he, he's not more loving and caring. Ladies, don't ever criticize your husband publicly. You know, talk about, well, he never does this, or, or, or he, 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 he always does that. Uh, you, you talk in absolutes, and you criticize. And before long, I, I mean, uh, you know, uh, if it's done privately, uh, you know, it will begin to wear eventually. But don't ever, ever, ever do it publicly. It's disrespect. It's a sign of disrespect. He sees that as a sign of disrespect, ladies. Even if you do it jokingly, there's something that cuts him in his heart as disrespect, okay? And, and we are so good at criticizing each other because you see, when it comes down to it, without the Lord, without Jesus being the Lord over the rings, the Lord of the rings, the Lord of our life, we want to beat our own drum. I have needs and I want you to meet my needs. And I'm not as interested in meeting your needs I want my needs met. And so therefore, you're different. And I don't necessarily understand those differences or really care about those differences. I criticize those differences sometimes, right? And sometimes when people come in and talk to me and, and their marriage, and typically when they get in the, to, to the point of coming and talk to us and don't do that, come early, they come to the point of talking to us. And man, it's like, well, she, he does this and he does that. He never comes home early. He never helps me with the kids. He never does this. He never does this. And all I hear is he never does this, never does this, or vice versa, to be, a, you know, to be honest. Uh, and then I, I want to stop and say, okay, well, what, or I do stop. Hold, hold on a minute. Tell me something. Tell me what he does right. And sometimes it's just like looking because all I'm down now is if I go down the criticism trail and that's, 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 that's all I think about is what he or she does wrong. And I don't even think about what they do right or what they do that's good or what they do that I like. I never even think about it, right? And so one of the ways that you show your husband respect, uh, ladies, is to never criticize him publicly in front of anyone, not your kids, especially not your mama, Okay. Never criticize him publicly in front of anyone. Now, that's not saying that you don't need to sit down and have some conversations. That's not saying Amy doesn't sit down and tell me, man, you could be better at this, you could do better at this, and we make sure, you know, it's not saying that at all. Don't ever do that publicly, and don't ever do that in a critical, offensive way, because then I'm going to get my defenses up, and we're not going to have a good conversation about that, right? So don't criticize him publicly. The second thing is never compliment other husbands in front of your husband, or for that matter, never compliment other husbands to your husband. Let me give you an example. Amy would never uh, tell another wife, uh, you know, husband, make a point, uh, you know, with me, in front of me, oh, you know, you, you got your wife flowers. Man, that is so awesome. I wish Pat would do that for me. He, he doesn't do that. That's, that's great right? Uh, Amy, that's, that's complimenting him in front of me. She would never compliment, him, compliment another husband to me. She would never come home and say, well, you know, Sarah's, Sarah's husband got her flowers today. That's a caring husband. Because ladies, let me tell you something. If you do that, you, let me, I'm going to make you a promise right now, and you can, you can ask your, your husband this later. If you do that, you're not motivating your husband to get you flowers. You're motivating him to tell you where you can plant your flowers, Okay. <laughs> So uh, d don't, don't compare another husband to, uh, don't, don't, don't compare. Because what he's hearing you do, if you're complimenting other, he's hearing you compare him to someone else and he's coming up short. And that's disrespectful. It's not respect. He doesn't see that as respect, right? Again, if you like flowers, and you want to get flowers, if you want to go to the movie, you like whatever it is you like, man, it, have those conversations at an appropriate time. That's what we're going to do in Grace Marriage. We're going to set the stage for you to have these conversations about, man, how you can, you need to do this in conversation rather than in the moment because it's offensive and defensive, right? So, so never compliment other husbands in front of or to your husband. Third, compliment him every day. Compliment your husband. Now, don't blow smoke. Be sincere right? Be sincere. I, we can know when you're blowing smoke. But again, the power of, you've heard it said that it takes 10 positive uh, uh, comments to overcome one negative. 
And I'll promise you that's true. We can go out of here today, and I'll promise you, uh, 99% of the people who come up to me will say, oh, it's a great sermon every Sunday. If there's one person that comes up and criticizes something about that sermon, I promise you, I don't even think about the 99 compliments that I got on the sermon. What do I go home and think about? I think about the one idiot, I'm sorry, the one person. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, really. I think about the one person <laughs> that, that said uh, uh, something. <laughs> That's funny if I do say so. Uh, I, I think about the one person that was critical. They may have been right. Other people may have been blowing smoke in all seriousness. But that's all I think about. It takes one, uh, you know, 10. I, I don't believe it takes 10 to overcome one. I believe it takes a whole lot more. And so what, our, what, what, we, what we get in the habit of doing with our spouses especially is always telling them what they do. As I said, man, you got to compliment your husband. And I'm just going to tell you, ladies, uh, you know, you need to find him doing something right and tell him. If he comes home early, uh, don't do it in a way that says, wow, you come home early today. What about saying, thank you for coming home. I'm so glad you're home early today. You know, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm so glad. Man, thank you for helping me with the kids tonight. Thank you for putting the dishes in the dish. I don't know. Whatever it is, find something to say, thank you for doing that. You're good at this. And let me tell you one that's great, man. Notes. You write a note. I mean, just a sentence, man. You want to you start getting your, your husband really fired up and, I mean, excited. You, you write a note. Put it on his steering wheel before he goes out to work. Man, I am glad you're my husband. Man, I am you know, I, I, I mean, write him a note. I, thank you for loving me. Thank you for leading me. You know, uh, he goes on a business trip. You put a note. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a long letter. Put a note in his, in his, in his uh, you know, his carry-on bag or his briefcase or something. I can't wait till you get home. Man, he's going to cancel his trip and get back to the house. I mean, you wouldn't believe the power of in, in, in notes. Uh, you, you, would, you wouldn't believe that, right? Let me, let me tell you something Amy did that, that, uh, uh, recently that I was, uh, I was, I was hunting. I love to hunt, right? And I was gone for a couple of days and sometimes I go and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm off on Friday. So I'll go Friday and Saturday and sometimes I'll get out early Thursday and I'll go. I don't know if I'm coming home Saturday uh, afternoon or Friday night. It depends. And so I, I, Amy don't really know when I go. And so, you know, uh, she, she sent me a text, and I, I was, I, I was, it was on her way home, and so she texted me, and she said, uh, when are you coming home? And then she immediately followed up with, I don't care. I, I'm not, I, I just want to know what the plan for dinner and all that stuff. And I just, I, I read the text, and I said, guys, I've got the most incredible wife. L let me tell you. I, she, she sent me a text. Let me read to you. When are you coming home? And then she immediately followed up with, I don't care, because she wanted to make sure she didn't sound like she's nagging. She's like, well, when are you coming home and all that stuff? She said, I don't, I don't really care. I just want to know how to plan. And I said, you know what? That made me, I make me want to come home. Now, if she had wrote me, no, when are you coming home? You're always gone. You know what I said? I'm staying another night. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's those little things that, that says, you know, I, I, I respect you, right? I, I respect you. And so, so find a way to compliment him, affirm him in front of other people. Here's another way. Affirm him in front of other people. Man, I mean, if you start talking about your husband in positive ways in front of other people, especially your kids, but it, but anyone, man, you talk about, man, you, you start talking about whatever it is he does good or what you love about him in front of other people, man, you watch his chest blow out. Man, I mean, you know what that says to him? She respects me. She respects me. And you know what a man hears that? I love you. That's more important it's more important for you to say, I respect you than I love you. Show him. I, I, I'll promise you, he, he, he needs to be loved, ladies, but he needs your respect. Now, here's the second thing he needs, and you ladies knew this was coming. This is research, not Pat. So, you know, uh, he needs sexual intimacy. A, a man needs sexual intimacy. All right? And, and so, you know, Rosenberg in his book, Five Love Needs of Men and Women, he states that pleasing his wife intimately is one of the things that makes a man feel like a man. However, when a man is repeatedly rejected, repeatedly being the key word, it's not saying that sometimes you literally don't have a headache because sometimes you literally do. Sometimes you literally are tired. It's not saying that you never say not tonight, but it's, it, it is saying when, when a man is repeatedly rejected, he pulls away or worse, ends up making a stupid moral decision, right? 
And so, so you know, something really, the church, is some, uh, some people always get a little nervous. When I start, somebody, somebody, ah, the church is not a place to talk about sex. Well, uh, yeah, the church thought that for years, and people thought that for years in prudish ways. And that's probably why not only teenagers but adults are so messed up in this area, right? I mean, listen, God created sex, and he literally gave it as a beautiful gift. And we, uh, because he gave it, there's two places that we need to talk about it. And we need to talk about it at home and the church. The church took a prudish backseat for so long and let sex education. And parents said, we don't want to talk about church. And so the, the result of that is the sex ed came from Hollywood and Lady Gaga. That's not where you want your sex ed to come from. Okay? And so you need to talk about it in the home. And we need to talk about it in the church. And so, so when, 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 when we look at, at, at this, uh, we need to understand that because we haven't talked about it in the church, it's been perverted before marriage and even after marriage, but there's so much perversion in it. And I don't have to go into all of it. You know what those perversions are before marriage because God says one man, one woman, uh, four life, that's it. One man, till death do us part. One man, one woman. That's, that's the order. That's the purpose of sex. One man, one woman. Well, there's so many perversions because we don't do it like that. It's perverted. Uh, it's not what God created to do before marriage, but even after marriage. And, and, and it's because we don't understand sometimes each other's needs. And I, I want to read, listen to what First Corinthians, Paul said to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was off the rails, okay? And Paul writes to correct them. Here's one of the things he's writing to the church in Corinth. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse five. Do not deprive one another. He's talking about sex. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. Paul is not saying every time one says, hey, what, 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 you know, what about the night? The other one says, man, I'm tired. And okay, you submit to each other, you respect one another, you serve one another, okay? Sometimes that means, man, you're tired, awesome. Sometimes that means I'm tired, but yes, you know. So you serve one another. So it's not saying you won't ever say no. That's not the point. What he's saying is do not deprive one another. Deprive's a different word. Deprive one another except perhaps by agreement. So you talk about it, agreement, for a limited time. There's a lot of key words here, right? Limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer for spiritual reasons, but then come together again. And the, and the whole context is quickly, why? Listen to why. So Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay? So when we look at what uh, uh, Paul says to the Corinthian church about this, it's dangerous when there's repeated rejection either way. When one person doesn't meet the other person's needs, whether we're going to talk about this next week. Remember, we got next week to go, okay? So when one person doesn't, whether it's a man not meeting his wife's emotional need or whether it's a, a woman not meeting his wife's physical needs or in some marriages, vice versa, because it's not broad brush, right? I mean, people are different. If we do not meet each other's needs, there's going to be temptation for the other to make stupid moral decisions, okay? And so, so uh, Dr. Harley, in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, which is another great book I talked about, says when a man chooses a wife, he's making a commitment to her that says, I'm going to be committed and faithful to you for life. I'm going to, you're going to be my only sexual partner till death do us part. That's the commitment. Biblically, that's the commitment. Now, a Christian man does that in full confidence that his wife is going to be as interested in him as he is in her, pursue him as, she, as, she, as he pursues her, and be available to meet his physical needs as he will meet her emotional needs, right? That's the, the, the realm of, of, of marriage, right? And so you've got to think about, ladies, out of all the, the women in the world, your husband chose you to be his wife. Right? He chose you out of all the women in the world. And he ch that means that he chose and trusts that you're going to meet this one need that no one else can meet biblically. No one else can meet this need. No one else should nor could meet this physical need biblically. There's other needs a man has that he can, uh, you know, that, that other people can meet and all this kind of stuff and affirmation, all that kind of stuff. On this need only one person, his wife, biblically, can meet this need, and that's you, right? Only you are the one God created to be a helper to meet this need. Now, I believe with all my heart that most of the, all of the, 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 the junk that comes with around this deal and the messed up views and all that, 
is due to a, a, a not a great spiritual perspective, to be quite honest. Red Book Magazine, you know, that's not a Christian magazine. And I don't read Red Book Magazine. I, I did this through researching, right? But uh, Red Book Magazine's a woman's magazine, I think, isn't it? So, but Red Book Magazine did a survey on the sexual fulfillment of ladies. And you know what it found? This is a secular magazine. Red Book Magazine found that the ladies who were the most sexually fulfilled were the ladies who had deep spiritual convictions. You know what I believe? I believe that. It doesn't surprise me at all. As a matter of fact, it completely is what the Bible says. Here's why. I believe I can, I can preach a whole message on that. So I can't preach on this all. But here's what I need you to understand. You see, when someone, has, when, when, when someone submits their life to Jesus Christ, and they're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you get into the Word, and then what happens is you can't get closer to Jesus without, without getting over yourself. The closer you get to Jesus, you become more selfless, less selfish. And see, most of these problems come out of a selfish issue. And so when I'm more selfless, my bent is I, I'm, I care more about meeting your needs than I care about you meeting my needs. I care more about serving you than I care about you serving me. And this can only come from the Holy Spirit reorganizing your heart, rearranging the furniture in, in, in your soul so that you are, are, are literally becoming like Jesus and having the heart of Jesus that says, I want to serve rather than be served. Right? And when you do that, then you begin to meet each other's needs. And then it's like you begin to see sex is not just this physical. You begin to get closer to Jesus. You begin to understand his word more. You begin to understand that sex is not just this physical act. It's about meeting a physical need. It's about deeper. It's an act of worship that, that two people become one, that, that, that two people literally are becoming one in the most intimate way, that it's an act of worship that says, God, thank you. It's so much deeper. It's so much deeper, right? You begin to understand that eating a piece of steak, and if you're a vegetarian, eating whatever you eat, it's so, it's so much deeper than eating what, and going, oh, that's just such a good steak. It's about going, God, thank you for creating the flavors here. Thank you that it's just so amazing. You are awesome, God. You see, that's what sex is, to celebrate each other, to celebrate God for bringing us together so much deeper. And when you begin to draw closer to Christ, you understand, oh, this is about something other than just me. That's what we want for your family, not for it to just be about you, for your family to go, oh, wow, we're living set as a family because we're producing godly offsprings. We're producing children. We're, we're together as my children, as my husband, as, as the wife is coming together to say, God, people are looking at you and going, you're not perfect, but I want what you've got because you're, it's about something deeper, see? It's about something so much deeper. That's, uh, and, and so, so I believe it's a, a warped spiritual perspective. Now, the third need, and these last two are pretty, pretty quick. The third need is recreational companionship. You see, a husband needs to be respect. A husband needs sexual interest, and he needs recreational companionship. Now, when I say recreational companionship, let me tell you what that doesn't mean, lady. It doesn't mean you, ladies, it doesn't mean you have to hit a 300-yard drive. Your husband can't do that either, Okay. It doesn't mean that you, you should be able to hit a three-pointer with ease. Your husband can't do that either. You see, your husband is a whole lot better at all his sports than, I mean, he's not as good as he thinks he is, okay? So it doesn't mean that you have to be good at all these things at all. It, it just means you need to be interested and involved in some of these things, okay? It, it, need, it, it means that, you know, your husband loves these things, and if you're interested in and involved in these things, then if you're not, you're missing out on some of the things that bring him incredible joy. And that's what happens. Most of the time, women do their thing. Men do their thing. And that's not bad. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Amy does some things I'm not that interested in. I do a lot of things Amy's just not that interested in. Right, ladies? I mean, you know that. I mean, most ladies aren't interested in auto racing, Right? I mean, they're like, my husband likes auto racing. It's just like, you know, it's like, it's driving in circles, right? Most ladies aren't that interested in golf. I mean, you know, it's like my husband watches it on TV and it's just like they pop in birds over the speakers to make it sound good, you know, like you hear, Jim, he's coming up to the 18th hole. Oh, what a shot. <laughs> about the second hole? 
It's a great Sunday afternoon watch for your nap. I mean, most women aren't interested in that, right? I mean, I, 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 I love to hunt ducks, and I love to hunt deer. Amy's not interested in, you know, ducks and deer. I mean, she's an old farm girl, but she's not necessarily interested in that. But, but you know what she does? She, she's, she talks to me about it. She's always texting me, you have any luck? You get anything? You know, she'll watch shows with me. I mean, she'll, you know, I mean, she'll talk to me about it. I mean, she's interested in the things I'm interested in. And, 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 and a husband needs that. Ecclesiastes 9.9. It says, in uh, the first part, it says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Enjoy life with the wife. Boy, that's a good rhyme, isn't it? Enjoy life with the wife, you know? I mean, have you ever heard the fam- phrase, the family that prays together stays together? I believe that's true. In other words, that not just say a prayer, the family that, that, that pursues the Lord together, they stay together. I believe that's true. But I also believe it's true that the family that plays together stays together. So find what it is and find something you like to do together, whether it's hike or whether it's outdoors or whether it's, it's swim, whether it's something, but, uh, you know, ten, I don't know what it is, but at least be interested. Be interested in his hobbies and, you know, I mean, learn. Amy, Amy will sit and watch football games with me and she'll learn something. She likes all the interest stories about the player. And did you know, she's always telling me, did you know he's on this? I'm like, no, I, I just know he threw a touchdown pass, right? And she knows his backstory and how many kids he's got and, you know, and I mean, his foundations. And I'm like, I just know he's a good football player, you know? I mean, find something that he's interested in or whatever, be, be interested in it together. And I, I, mean, I mean, you know, that's, that's one of the things I love about what, what Amy does is she's interested in what I'm interested in. Now, the, the, the last thing is this, spiritual intimacy. Your husband needs spiritual intimacy, ladies. That's obvious, right? Let me speak to two groups of ladies in here on this. Some of you ladies have husbands that are believers. Some of you don't. Let me talk about this in two different groups very quickly. Not sermons on all of it, all right? Because, again, I could preach on all of, uh, a long time on all these. Your husband needs spiritual intimacy. If, if you're a dude, you need spiritual intimacy. As a matter of fact, uh, some of you right now, you're lacking something in your life. And you keep going hard after it, trying to drink from a lot of wells to get that thirst quenched. And the wells are dry or the wells are muddy water. And the only well you're going to drink out of that's going to quench your thirst is Jesus Christ. As I said, you're only going to find your identity and your worth in Jesus Christ, okay? And so some of you who are not believers, you need to understand you're not going to find what you're looking for until Jesus finds you, okay? Until you surrender to him, all right? Uh, That's it. And so I want to say that. Some of you dudes, you are a believer and you've given your life to Jesus and you're new in your faith. Some of you have given your life to Jesus and you're not, wouldn't be considered new in your faith, but you're still in spiritual infancy or childhood or adolescence, okay? And you need spiritual intimacy. You need the spiritual intimacy. And so you need to give in. Dudes, I'm I'm preaching to you right here for a moment because you need to, you need to do the things that produce spiritual intimacy in your life. And you're not going to be intimate with your wife if, if you never talk to her, if you're never, you know, with her, you're not going to be intimate with Jesus. If you don't spend time in prayer in his word, talk and let him talk to you in his church with his people, serving him, those, you need to develop spiritual intimacy. Ladies, your husband needs spiritual intimacy with God, with you and with other men. And you need to encourage those things, okay? You need to encourage those things. You need to encourage those things. He, 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 he fi, fi, listen, ladies, don't, uh, hear, hear this above everything else. Now, if your husband's a, a believer and he's still maybe new in his faith or spiritual adolescence, and that's not negative, I mean, that's just the stages of growth. So spiritual, don't, or whether he's not a believer, don't ever nag him spiritually, you're not going to get anywhere with nagging him, okay? You're not going to get anywhere if you're, to, to nag your husband to lead family worship, to pray with you, to, to lead. You're not going to get anywhere. Remember, that's going to push him away. But here's what you do. You, you, can, you can communicate with him. Man, I, I love it when, you, when I see you in the Word. I love it when I see you spending time in the Word. There's nothing more sexy than seeing you spend time in the Word. Right? I love seeing you th- pray with our kids. I love it when you pray with me. Even, I, I mean, you find him doing something right. If he prays and all he says is, uh, God, thank you for my family, amen. If he says that and you're thinking, uh, uh, okay, th- th- don't go, oh, you could have added a little bit more to that prayer. You go, thank you for that leadership. You start there and you encourage it. And man, you begin to give him positive reinforcement and you feed that. 
and you pray for him. You, leading your family is the, I, I promise you, I don't care if your husband, no matter what his job is, leading your family spiritually is the absolute most stressful, hardest job he has as a husband. I'll promise you, pray for him. Pray for him uh, as a spiritual leader. Encourage him. Be the wind in his sails, right? Write him notes of encouragement on, on, on thank you for Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for being involved in, 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 with a group of men, uh, if you're involved with a group of men, in a small group. Whatever he does, th- right, encourage him in that. He needs that. Now, ladies, what if he's not a believer? What do you do? Don't nag him. Do not, please, nag him. Matter of fact, let me read you what it says in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. L- l- listen to this. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, you begin to see that in the scriptures all through. Be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, obey, he's talking about lost men, husbands that are not believers in Jesus Christ, if they don't obey the word. So that, uh, 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 be subject to your husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is God, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. You know, ladies, here's the thing. I I believe that every man needs an attractive wife. But I want you to hear me correctly. I'm not talking about your physical appearance. And your, I'm not talking about a supermodel appearance. That's, that's the world. And let me tell you something. It puts so much pressure on you ladies that I, that I absolutely hurt for you. Because that is not where the, the attractive wife a man needs. Peter said, don't let your attraction be with adorning yourself with all this stuff. Now, I don't think he's saying let yourself go. That's not what I'm saying, okay? What he's saying is be more focused on being an attractive your inner beauty. And where does your inner beauty come from? With your submission and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're living his way of life. That's an attractive woman. That's the attraction that a man needs. That's what you need to be focused on in, in the attraction that you have with your husband. It says those who are not a believer will be attracted to what you have if you live the way of the Lord. Peter didn't say, Wives, be subject to your husband. If he doesn't obey the word and know the Lord, then nag him to death because he'll get there eventually. It's not what Peter says, right? What he says is, let your beauty within win him over. As you love him, as you respect him, as he sees you be selfless, as he sees you uh, uh, be sexually intimate, as he sees you uh, respect him, the recreational companionship, as he sees your selfless acts. And he says, I want what you've got. I want what you've got. Pray for him. You have your, 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 your Christian friends pray for him. You have your small group of ladies pray for him. You pray for him. You love him. You encourage him. And you be attractive on the inside, ladies. We need more supermodel from the inside that's what we need. We need ladies who are much saying, man, my inside is, 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 is the measure, right? And I hurt for you ladies because of our uh, uh, world that puts in this mold what attractiveness really is. And it makes every lady be insecure at a certain level. And I understand that and I hate it because it's not biblical. It's not biblical. And it, and it, and it creates some things within you. That, that are just sad and, and, and causes you uh, to be insecure at levels that, that you don't need to be insecure. And so, uh, you know, if your husband's not a believer, Peter says, you develop your inner beauty, your walk with the Lord, and, and, and through that. It doesn't mean don't, don't speak words. You can't share the gospel without speaking words, Okay. You've heard it said, you know, I think Francis of, 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 somebody said, somebody said, and I'm not sure he ever said it, but somebody said, he said, you know, speak the God, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. I'm not sure he ever said it because that's junk. Okay. 
I mean, yeah, you got to live the life, but you got to speak the words or else they're going to think you're good. We want to know God's good. Okay. And so, so you got to speak words, but let your inner beauty, ladies, your husband needs that spiritual intimacy. Now, some of you dudes in here today, you don't know the Lord. We want to help you. You've been drinking out of dry wells. They've left you thirsty. Matter of fact, they've not, they've not just left you thirsty, they're salt water. And they're killing you. And we want to give you fresh, pure water that comes from the Word of God. And that's only in Jesus Christ. And you say, how do I drink that water? Well, that's a great question because that's what a woman at the well wanted to know from Jesus. And if you'll come back, we'll help you understand what that means. Okay? If you'll talk to us, we'll help you understand what that means. Some of you ladies need the same thing. Come back and talk to us. Right? Next week, we're going to focus on her needs and, guys, your role. Today, we focused on his needs uh, and, ladies, your role. Don't miss next week. We got to see the whole picture, okay? We do this so that people, so that your family can not just be happy. And here's what I believe. If you will do the things of the word, your family will be happier. But it's not just about that. I don't want to, that's the end goal. It's about the glory of God. It's about so people will see you and go, I want what you've got. And God will be made famous, okay? So, man, thanks for being here. We, we're going to go into our time of, of, uh, of response, uh, which means we're going to take up our tithes and offerings. That's one way we respond. Some of you need to come back and say, how do I do this, man? I, I want to give my life to Christ. That's a response. Some of you, through this, you might need to repent of not be, meeting needs. You might say, man, I've been selfish. Somebody might need to praise the Lord for your husband, your wife, or, or for something else. The Holy Spirit can take this. See, here's the thing. I'm, what I preach today, the Holy Spirit's going to do what he wants to do. And he may be bringing something into your life that I didn't even speak about. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? So you follow the lead of the Holy Spirit in your life as we come to this time of, of surrender. We're getting ready to sing one of the, uh, just a beautiful, one of my favorite songs Travis is going to sing. And I, I love it. And, and, and as we sing this and as you worship, as you give yourself to it, you pray, you praise, you, rep- you do whatever God leads you to do. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray for the families that make up LifePoint, the homes. I know that some homes are married with kids and some homes are married with no kids and some homes are single. God, that's why we're focused on my house. I know that some singles come in and, and they're like, man, to talk about the family, I'm single. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, they would, if marriage is in their future, they would be learning now. If marriage is not in their future, that they would apply these principles to current relationships and, and, and Lord, that they would be able to uh, Lord, know how to pray for their friends who are husbands and who have husbands or wives. And God, I, I just pray for this church. Lord, I pray that we would come down to the family. And God, that we would be live lives that don't just make us happy. And I believe submitting to you will make us happier. But it's helping that to not be our end game. Help our end game to say, I want my marriage, I want my parenting, I want my relationships to literally make people say, I want what you got so that we can point them to God and you get glory. Help this all to be about you and your glory. We love you. And God, we want to reflect you. Help us to live sent in our marriage. Help us to help people find life in you and live sent to help other people find life in you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.